This is Sid Roth saying, Shalom Mishpacha. Mishpacha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the Mishpacha, the family with a Jewish heart. Welcome to today's edition of Messianic Vision and another appointment for you to be mentored to fulfill your destiny with one of our It's Supernatural guests. And now, here's your host for this program, It's Supernatural television producer, Donna Chavis. Well, thank you so much, Sid, and thank you all for joining us today for Messianic Vision. Our guest today is a surfer from San Clemente, California, and in 1967, a personal crisis in his life led to his conversion and a life of ministry. He became affiliated with the Vineyard Church Movement and traveled extensively with its founder, John Wimber. I'm sure you've heard his name before. Drawing out of his life experience, he began to write. His most well-known book, and you may have heard of it, is The Father Loves You. He is now a pastor and an internationally known speaker. Since 1989, his Father Loves You conferences have been spreading the message of the Father's love throughout the world. Please welcome Ed Peoric. Hi, Ed. Good afternoon, Donna. So, so nice to be talking with you again. Thank you so much for being with us. Listen, I, I want to go way back with you. I would love to hear how when you were just very, very young, you did have a personal crisis in your life, and that led to a actual visitation of the Holy Spirit. Tell me about that. Well, uh, I was 22 at the time, and... Uh, I'd been married for a little over a year, and we were newlyweds, and and I came out of a Southern California lifestyle where I was just living the surfer's life, and so I had to get a real job when I got married and <laughs> had some of those pressures of life. I had had sort of a you know wild prodigal you know season just before uh, this uh, visitation, uh, and so it was in that period of adjustment that all of a sudden my mother was diagnosed with widespread cancer and within a matter of weeks uh, she died suddenly and this was a very traumatic experience mm, for me she's yes. only 45 years old and it was unexpected and so I was hit very hard by that uh, and as I, I might mention in the future, my relationship with my dad was uh, a bit troubled, but my I was very close to my mom. Uh, when she passed away, I felt like the bottom fell out of my life. And the evening uh, after her burial, I was trying to go to sleep, and all of a sudden, I just felt like uh, a panic attack over her mm, loss. I yes. felt uh, this incredible. Uh, began to uh, get uh, very emotional and uh, crying and uh, and I just couldn't get free of it. And uh, this uh, this sense of death was near me. And all of a sudden I began to get delirious. Mm. And I felt nauseous and uh, but then when I tried to lay down, I would just see these dark visions like coming out of the grave to attack me. And it was it was very dark and dreadful. Yes, and, yes. And at that that time, my wife, who was lying alongside, she realized something uh, was happening, and she just 
prayed. She said, God, if, if you can help us, help us. And I'll never forget that while I was right in the middle of this terrible physical and mental distress, I looked at the window and we had a curtain there and it was open and this breeze blew through and on a very still night. And when the breeze touched me, immediately all these uh, terrible symptoms and uh, pains and fears left. Mm, yes. And in just a moment, and it was like, I just lay down and I went to sleep in peace. It was like I'd been in a rainstorm and all of a sudden uh, the sun came out. And so in the morning, it was a, it was a Sunday morning and uh, I, I looked at my wife and I said, I think I met God last night. And she said, I think I did too. So what do we do on Sundays? Well, we went to church. And we went to this Baptist church that I had gone when I was very young. And when we went there, we sat in the front row and uh, they sang hymns. And it was like the first time I'd heard about Jesus. And then they started preaching out of uh, one of the gospels and they started talking about Jesus doing these things. And, and I looked at my wife and I said, that's who came into our room last night, wow. Jesus. And so from that point on, uh, we just sat there and the spirit of God was on us. We were shaking, trembling, crying. That was the way we met Jesus. And I realized that that night, mm. the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Jesus had visited us. Then the moment we heard the word uh, about Jesus, we gave our life to him and never looked back since. That is wonderful. And I know you have lived a full life dedicated to ministry. You have moved in the supernatural. You have seen many healings, uh, deliverances in your meetings. But but there's something that is a core message for you, Ed. And and you make this statement. You quote this uh, this person as saying, the search to find a father is the deepest search in life. What, what does that mean? Well, that quotes from an author, Thomas Wolfe. Uh, and he talks about this deepest, deepest search in life is when man or woman looks for a father beyond uh, the natural father that he knew. So this deep search is a search that, that comes out of the core of our being, looking for a father's love and ultimately for the love of God the Father. The French mathematician philosopher Blaise Pascal said that there's a God-shaped vacuum mm. in every person and only Christ can fill it. Yes. And I've sort of modified that. There's a, I would say there's a heart-shaped vacuum at the core of every human being that only the Father's love can fill. Wow. The Father is the ultimate source of love. Our deepest need is to be connected with that ultimate source of love it's the love beyond anything that we can find in this life, even if we had a good father yes, and a good life. Yes, yes. We all have to be connected to the source, to our father, so that we can have that vacuum filled by his wonderful love. Right. And and I know that most everybody's first experience with a father type is our natural father. Now, now I understand, and you said a little bit earlier that you didn't have a very good connection with your father. You talk in your book, you talk about hitting the glove. What does that mean to you? I had a, a father who was wonderful and that he was always there. He was always involved in our lives and wanting us to do better. 
my father came out of that generation where, you know, you didn't really show much emotion. Mm. You just, you just, you know, coming out of the world war two, you just went to work hard and you taught your uh, sons how to work hard also. Right. And so in with my dad, he was like that. Uh, I, I sort of would call him a performance oriented father that he, he wanted me to perform well. And the way it translated with my fathers, I felt like I had to perform well if I was going to find the love I was looking for from him. Uh, I had a yearning in me to have my dad pick me up and hug me. Oh, and say, yeah. Say, Eddie, you are my son. I love you. And I'm well pleased with you. I love you for who you are and, and not for what you do. Mm. Now, I never heard those words from my father. Wow. I never, never felt that hug, never. It, it was always elusive. Uh, and I, and I, I felt that if I could just perform well, perhaps I could get it. I think that's what many of us do. We feel if we only can perform for our father or for God or for others, we'll find this elusive love. And so I would perform well, but I could never do it perfectly. Mm. And, and this came out in the whole thing of playing baseball because my dad was often my coach and I was a baseball pitcher. And there were times when I would lose the game and I could sense he was upset. And then after the game, we would come and we would go to this uh, little field we had alongside our house. And, and he'd get his catcher's glove and I'd get on the mound, a little practice mound. And he'd say, come on, Eddie, you have to throw strikes. And he'd hold that glove out in the middle over the plate. And I would, I would just do my best to throw a strike. And, but if I missed it, then he didn't move the glove and I had to go chase the ball. Oh no. And so it was like that just stuck inside of me because I felt like when I didn't throw strikes, I was failing him and I sensed rejection. Mm. And, and it tied into a, a loneliness because we never had this intimacy. And so I, in at the core of my being, I felt that I had to perform for love. And then when, it, when I became a Christian, that was deeply embedded in me, that I have to hit the glove for God. And now I did my best, you know, when it came to reading my Bible or memorizing scripture or doing uh, ministry in church, you know, I was zealous for God. And I, and I, and I did well for God. And I think there's a lot of wonderful things in that. But one of the problems is I never was able to make the connection with the love that I was looking for. So I just sort of burned myself out, even in ministry. Sure. And that's what, that's what really moved me to a position where I really needed to experience the Father's love. Yes, yes. Wow. I know a lot of people experience that. And, and even, as you said, even in the church, and they're still trying to gain acceptance and, and trying to find their worth there. But as we know, the church doesn't always have the right answers for everybody. It's, it's a loss when we have the, the right theological answers. But sometimes that, that love and that part of the Father, to fill that, that heart-shaped hole that you said that, that we have inside of us just isn't there. So where is the answer? What, what is the answer? In the church... You know, what, what I found when I began my search, I, I, I began by uh, looking at the life of Jesus. 
Yes. Uh, I knew I was looking for a father's love. And I began to look at the life of Jesus. Now, at that time, I was traveling with John Wimber. And he, would he was talking about, you know, the healing ministry. And that uh, when we take a look at Jesus, uh, we learn a lot about healing. And one of the important things was this close relationship that Jesus had with his father. Right. And that uh, because he was in this intimate relationship with his father, uh, he was able to listen to his father and do what his father was doing. And, and that was one of the keys to the success in his ministry, bringing the kingdom. And then as I would listen to John teach on this and read these scriptures, like in John, there was this wonderful scripture that said, for the father loves the son and shows him all that he's doing. Mm. <laughs> and I said, oh, Jesus' reassurance in ministry was he knew his father loved him. Ah. And so when I began to look at that, I said, well, the key is to uh, get in this place of where I can experience the love that Jesus experienced. And then I won't be subject to this fear of failing all the time because that love would help me with that fear. And then I read this wonderful thing in scripture that Jesus said, you know, it's, wonder, it's a wonderful thing for Jesus to be loved by the Father. But what about the disciples and, and the rest of us? I guess. What about me? And, uh, and then, you know, in the upper room discourse, you know, before Jesus was going to be crucified and, uh, and leave, ascend, he was telling his uh, disciples that he was going to leave. And they started, you know, uh, talking among themselves. He's going to leave. And then Jesus said, and when I'm gone, you're going to do even greater works than I did. Mm. Now, at that point, they got a little nervous. <laughs> so I think they probably formed a little holy huddle, I call it. And they say, now, what was the key to Jesus and how he healed a blind person or cast out a demon or healed deafness? And they said, how did he do it? He said, well, he never did it the same way twice. <laughs> you know, there was there was no formula. He just handled each uh, situation so personally. And and they said, well, the key was is his, his relationship with his father. His father told him how to do each thing mm -hmm. uh, in each way. So their, their big question is, Jesus, when you're gone, uh, when we pray to the father, will he show us? like he showed you. And that's when Jesus said this, you know, made this, you know, tremendous statement that, you know, that when I'm gone, you can ask in my name, you can ask the father yourself mm. to show you what he's doing. And he will show you because he loves you. Wow. Because you love me. And the beautiful thing there is that the Greek word for love there is phileo. Uh, a little bit different from the theological concept of agape, unconditional love, speaks of God's unconditional loving decisions made almost far off in heaven, like in John 3.16. Yes. The Father, uh, you know, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. Uh, that's agape. Uh, but... The word phileo is, could be translated demonstrated natural affection, like uh, philia, love, like the city of Philadelphia, brotherly love. Oh, yes. So 
here's this beautiful promise that Jesus said, if you love me, then the Father has a phileo love for you, just like he had for me, that you, you too will be able to experience this demonstrated natural affection. You will be able to experience this wonderful love, and that will keep you in an intimate place. It will disarm your fears. It will increase your sensitivity, and you'll be able to do what I'm doing. Yes. And so he gave, gave this promise, and, and so that's what I began to pursue. I wanted to experience that phileo love of the Father because I knew I was, I was on the road because I loved Jesus. You know what? That, that When you say that, that demonstrated love of the Father, that natural affection, that is what so many of us so desperately long for, isn't it? I mean, even those that are listening, I'm sure there are so many that are saying, yes, yes, I didn't have that either. That is what I'm longing for today. Speak to them for just a moment, Ed. Well, the, the wonderful thing is that uh, the Father himself loves each one of you that's listening. He loved you before you were born, and he put this desire for this demonstrated natural affection in your heart. And, and so it's, it's just so normal for you to be hungering for it. And when we get in touch with our hunger for it, it's like just like when we get in, get in touch with our hunger to know Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit already beginning to deposit some of that love, you know, into, into our experience. So I just want to encourage you to, to just allow the Spirit of God in you to start drawing you to the Father, even in this moment. And to realize that the fact that you're listening to me and the fact that I'm speaking is a providence of love, that you can hear this. Because even now, that means that the spirit within you is, is drawing you to the Father. And I just pray now that even as I'm speaking, that the spirit that comes from heaven, from the Father, would begin to embrace you. Yes. And you even now feel the Holy Spirit resting on you because the Father's love is something that finds you. We work so hard to find it, but when we come to these places of need and getting in touch with uh, the, the pains of our life, the, the losses, the loneliness, uh, the circumstances, like perhaps many who are listening are in that place where they're in pain or fear or guilt or shame. And, and it's just you know, like uh, when I became a Christian, you know, this, I call it the pregnant moment. Mm. And, and that moment is something fashioned by God, the Father. And, and I just bless that moment now that phileo love would rest upon your heart with healing, helping, and warming embrace. Yes, yes. Amen. Amen. I, I want to mention one other word that, honestly, I have been a a Christian for, for decades and decades, and it was many, many years before I heard the term Abba. Father. And that was something that Jesus revealed. I mean, for a lot of people, that was a radical new understanding of God when he said the words, Abba, Father, or introduced him that way. Yeah, one of the things that I've come to understand is it's the Father's love that reveals Jesus to us so that we can be saved. But once Jesus comes into our life, 
He wants to reveal the Father so that we can become sons and daughters. And he wants us to come to know him as Abba. He wants to, us to come to know God as his Father and intimately as Abba. And so he demonstrated what it was like to know this God as Father and as Abba in his own life. Uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he cries out, Abba, Father. Mm. And that's such a declaration of intimacy. Because Abba, is, as you probably know, was a, a term that a child would use when crying out, speaking to their father. Yes, and yes. It was a word of intimacy that come to, came out of a childlike heart. And in the Old Testament, we just don't see that kind of intimacy in, in God. Uh, there are moments... Uh, and there's there's not all that many references directly to God as Father. Mm -hmm. But when Jesus comes, and in John chapter 1, it says, the only begotten Son, who's at the bosom of the Father, in the Abba intimacy, he has come to make the Father known. So Jesus came with a whole new revolutionary revelation of the Father. Yes. So, so he began to... You see him talking about the Father all the time, especially in the Gospel of John. You know, he's always talking about, you know, uh, my, I know my Father loves me. You know, he talks about, I can do nothing except what the Father's doing. Yes. So he, he begins to really introduce the importance of knowing God as Father. And then he takes it that one step further of knowing him as Abba. And the German scholar, Joachim Jeremias, uh, has wonderful study on this, uh, widely known in the church, that his belief was that Jesus always addressed uh, the Father as Abba. And that was his normal way of discussion. And of course, later on in Romans 8, Paul says that when the Spirit of God comes on us, we're introduced to this Abba-Father relationship ourselves. Yes. So, so Abba was revolutionary, and that type of intimacy is really at the core of the gospel, mm -hmm. you know, of, of God's desire for intimacy. You know, he, he desired intimacy with Israel. Uh, he desires intimacy with every Christian. It's such a beautiful thing that Jesus would demonstrate that intimacy and, and, and call God Appa, and then letting us know that when we follow in his footsteps and we love him, he will lead us into knowing Abba. Yes, yes. Ooh, that is beautiful. I absolutely loved that part, just reading about that. And I remember in my own relationship when I began to learn about that phrase and what that meant, Abba, Father, how how wonderful that is. I, I want to ask you this. I know there was a time that, you know, now you have gone past, you've grown up, you're in ministry, and you're full on in ministry. You love God with all your heart. You're teaching, you're preaching, you're winning souls. But there actually came a time and that you said you were kind of engulfed with that fear of failure again, and you saw these things that, that made you fearful that you were going to be a failure. Well, as I, uh, as I mentioned before, I was uh, traveling with John Wimber for many years, and uh, John Wimber had laid hands on me, and I was uh, filled with the Spirit, began to move in gifts. And 
John became a like a spiritual father to me. He was I'd never been loved by a man in a fatherly role like I experienced from John. Uh, and so between his mentoring me and demonstrating love to me and my reading, you know, uh, from his teaching, John's seminars about Jesus' relationship with the Father, I began to just begin to enter to a new phase of my life. And so in a fatherly way, he would take me uh, along on these, uh, his conferences. And the way John would disciple young men uh, was that he would uh, take them, he would show them how it's done, then he'd have them do it with him, and then he would put them on the stage to do it by themselves. Yes. And so I would be sitting out at an audience, sometimes thousands of people, and John would be, you know, uh, preaching about the healing ministry of Jesus. And then uh, then he would make this statement that it was very re revolutionary at the time that, you know, Jesus was not only God in the flesh, but he was a human being operating in the gifts of the Spirit. It was helpful to us because sometimes we feel that we can't do ministry like supernatural ministry. Yes. We're not God. But the moment we realize that we can be human beings filled with the Holy Spirit and moving gifts, that changes everything. And so what, John, what would happen, I would be uh, at a conference and he would be preaching on the healing ministry of Jesus. And then wonderful, everybody wanted to get healed. And then he said, now we're going to have a ministry time, but I want to show you that it's not because I'm some supernatural healing giant. I, I want to show you that this is meant for all of us to do if we'll be filled with the Spirit. And so then he would say, Eddie, would you come up? And at that point, I would get a knot in my stomach mm. because I would have to get up on the stage in front of thousands of people. And then John would call someone up that he could get a word of knowledge on. Somebody who was blind or deaf or crippled, something. And they'd come up on the stage and I'd have to pray for them you know, in front of all those people. Right. And what it did was it pushed up this core fear again and again that I'm going to fail in front of these people. I would just be sweating up there. I'd be saying, oh, my God, go, God, you know. And, uh, and, and but I would, I would pray a, a simple prayer, and because God is merciful and, and he's the one who's going to heal anyways, I would see the healing on the stage. But... But what happened was as time went along, I just, that fear kept coming up, of failing in front of these people. And so this is when I started using self-talk. Jesus, you know, you told us that if we loved you, the Father would love us and he would come and he would, he would give us that affectionate love, disarm our fears, and he would show us what we're to do. And so I would start self-talking that. But it was preparing me because I, the moment of having a visitation of love kept getting pregnant. And that's what happens in our lives. God is so determined to, the Father wants to love us that he lets our, our core issues be pushed up by circumstance. Sometimes they're painful in that pregnant moment, but it, it'll push up the core fear or guilt or shame or loneliness. Uh, and all of a sudden, it puts us in that place. And I remember the pregnant moment. I was at a pastor's conference, you know, after everything had been taking place for years, mm -hmm. uh, you know, with fears accumulating. And 
And there was this incident during a ministry time where all of a sudden something happened that made me feel like, oh my God, I, I think I might fail as a minister after all these years. And because somebody was about to leave the church and go start another church somewhere, and I felt all of a sudden my, our church would lose numbers. And it was just a minor thing, actually, but it was hardwired to that, that, that fear that it had been accumulating. And it was hardwired to that fear of failing to hit the glove with my dad. Wow. And, and all of a sudden, it was like that fear just burst out like out of a, an abyss within me. I froze in fear and, and this darkness surrounded me. And then I just cried out, Father. And then all of a sudden, this light surrounded me. I could feel the power on me. I mean, I was used to that in the vineyard. The power started shaking. And I looked and there was dark, the darkness around me began to be just shattered. It was almost like having a vision by the light that was breaking in. Mm -hmm. And as that light was breaking in and as that the spirit was pulsing through me, for the first time, it's like I heard these semi-audible words, which I'll never forget. Eddie, you are my son. Oh. I love you, and you can never fail in my sight. Wow. And when I heard those words, it went so deep into me that all of a sudden I burst out in tears. And as I, as I just began to cry, it was like I heard the second word. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm bleeding out all the fears and I had like a video spinning through my mind of all these incidents with my dad and various times when I was fearful and in ministry circumstances, it was like they were just being bled out. And I cried them out. And after, I don't know, it was 15, 20 minutes, then all of a sudden I felt joy and I rolled over and started laughing. <laughs> and this, this was years before the Toronto. Yes. Uh, yes. And that moment was, was the, my, that moment of deep intimacy. And I realized that God was forming a life message. I had had this history of rejection and loneliness and in fear and performance. And, and that, you know, it really, he was setting the stage for a visitation. Not everyone will have a visitation as dramatic as that, because to feel the Father's love can come in so many ways. Yes, yes. Uh, and not in just those very powerful things, but they can come in other ways. You know, sometimes there's been people touched by the Father's love so gently, and, and they just feel a tear for the first time, and they begin to weep and a gentleness touches them. And see, I know that when I speak those words, some of what the Spirit comes on and articulates it in language to everyone who's listening. It was such a word from the Spirit. And, and it's, it's, it's almost it's an overlap of exactly what the Father said to Jesus. Mm -hmm. You are my son, and I love you, and I am well pleased with you, and I haven't even started your ministry yet. So, see, this is a, a bit uh, uh, general because in some way, the Father wants to articulate that to every person, that he knows you by name, that he loves you, 
as a son, mm. as a daughter. Yes. He's well pleased with you as, a, as, the, as, as the essential person that you are loved by him. And when that happens, it begins to release the, what I call the emotional moment, the emotional moment of connecting with love. And once that happens, it begins a process of that love expanding and bringing healing to life's hurts. The love can be the, the dynamic that you apply to all these things. Yes. Uh, uh, and, it, it's, and this is why it's beyond just an intellectual understanding, because many know in their head, the Father loves me. They know the theology, but they haven't had the experience. Uh, and I think that what is happening in our day is that there is a revelation of the Father's love. Uh, when I first had this experience, there were no books about it. I had to just study the theology of it. Uh, and, uh, and it was almost like having an apologetic that we need to know the Father. Now, that changed over the years, and it changed dramatically with the outpouring of the Father's love that took place in Toronto. Yes, in yes. That was a massive revelation. I remember in the beginning, it was called the Toronto Blessing, but eventually it became the Father's Blessing. Ah, uh, yeah. And because I remember talking with John Arnott, you know, because he had uh, a history with Jack Winter and knew some of the Father's love. And I remember early on, having uh, a meal with him and saying, uh, John, you know, what really is the core of this outpouring of the spirit is the father's love. And he says, I think you're right. And so he said, what should we do? And I said, well, I think we should have a conference called the, the father loves you. Mm, and, yes. And, was, and so we, and uh, so we had the first conference on the father's love in, in 1996 and Jack winter was there and I was there and uh, and all we were praying, we were identifying the fact that the Father's love is at the core of this outpouring of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and this is this is uh, what happened with Jesus when he was baptized. This is the pattern. Remember, he came out of the water, and it tells us he was praying. Yes. And then the Spirit, the heavens were opened by the unseen hands of the Father. The Spirit came like a dove. And we know he was also anointed with power at that point. And then the Father's love comes. Mm. And then the, it's, it's the same pattern at Pentecost. They're praying. The heavens are opened. The Spirit comes like a mighty rushing wind. To, uh, flames of fire, like metaphors for, you know, with the warmth of love come. And, and the disciples are changed and yes. empowered yes. as the church is born. Yes. And, when Paul, and when Paul looks back on that in Romans 5, 5, when he's first talking about the Holy Spirit, he makes this statement, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God, the Father, was poured out into our hearts when the Holy Spirit was given to us. And he's making that statement in direct reference to the day the Spirit was poured out. And that's the day of Pentecost. Yes, yes. Joel's prophecy. And he says that when the Spirit was poured out, the love of the Father was in it. Yes. And it was shed abroad in our hearts. You know, we had emotional uh, experiences when the Spirit was given us. And, and that was like at Toronto's 
when we begin to see that whatever the spirit is poured out, there's love in it, that changes everything. Because many of us, even myself, we could have strong experiences in the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, in, in, you know anointings and uh, in, uh, emotional healings and cry tears, but we don't always see, we don't put it together that the Father's love is in this outpouring. And once you begin to make that equation, every time the Spirit is poured out in you, every time you, you have intimacy with the Spirit, all of a sudden, oh, there's love here. Mm. Mm. And so that's why yourself and, and many, you know, who are probably listening, the Spirit's been poured out on them many times. And the Father's love was in it, but they didn't recognize it. And once you begin to recognize it, then you begin to take it as your own. And that's what confirms love in our hearts. Yes, yes. That confirms it. Sometimes uh, we can cry and laugh and all, but we still, it's amazing how often people didn't see the Father in it. Mm. But that's that's changing. Like I said, now uh, through uh, people like, you know, the late uh, uh, Jack, Frost and others, it's making this making the Father's name known, and uh, these millions of people have passed through Toronto, and now everybody writes about the Father's love. Almost every author, yes, Many yes, people are speaking about it. So all of a sudden, people are, it it is a revelation that's taking place, and it is something that's happening is is part of you know the the great revelation and revival of what God's doing on the face of the earth. Well, let me say, let me just stop right here real quick and let everybody know that's listening that you, Ed, have prepared an amazing and powerful resource package for them. I know you mentioned a lot of other people, a lot of pioneers that have come through these revivals and these movements. But there's a guy named Ed that I know that has really <laughs> been yeah. out there and making a difference. And honestly, Ed, this is so, so powerful. We just want to make everybody aware of it. Your book, The Father Loves You. Also, you have prepared a brand new and exclusive four CD audio teaching series called Your Way to the Father. Now, this includes four messages. Message number one, Jesus, your way to the Father. Message number two, the spirit of adoption. Number three, no longer prodigals. Wow. And number four, ultimate love. What is ultimate love? So that is going to be amazing. And we're going to add a little bonus here as well, Ed. Uh, we have put together a little dog tag, which everybody understands what a little military dog tag looks like. Little silver dog tag. It, look, it has a little chain with it. And it's basically an ID tag. It identifies you. And that is going to say Abba on the dog tag and then the scripture on the back. So anyway, this is an amazing package. Your book, The Father Loves You, this four CD audio teaching series, Your Way to the Father, and this Abba dog tag with the chain that you can wear as an identity tag for you to always remind yourself and others, I'm his, I'm his. He has put his love upon me and I am his. That is so exciting to me. Well, Ed, my goodness, let's jump back in here at at this, the, the parable of the prodigals. I mean, one of the most famous, famous parables in the Bible in this story. And you say there's there's 
two basic problems here. Often when we look at the parable of the prodigal son, our primary focus is, and rightfully so, on the younger son. Uh, but in the story, there are two sons. And these two sons are representative of uh, two paths that we can take in life that are descriptive of what happens if, we, if we're not living in intimacy with the father. You know, obviously the father in the parable is a loving father. Uh, he loves both his sons. And uh, he gives them both freedom. And we see the younger son, uh, he takes, he distances himself from the father. He takes his inheritance and he spends it on wild living, uh, uh, sensual, sexual excess. And so he is a picture of a person uh, that may be out of emptiness in their life and not knowing God as father, uh, will pursue to find that love in the wrong place through some kind of sensual or sexual involvement because often sexual immorality is what I call false affection. Yes. We have a deep need for warm intimacy, but looking at immorality as the way to find it is uh, a deception. And we see that's the path that can be taken if there's father emptiness. Uh, the second one, though, is a little bit more subtle. And this is the, the older brother. Now, it's, it's interesting that when we're introduced to the older brother, he is, in the picture, not intimate with his father. In fact, he's out in the field working, which is not bad. Uh, but when the younger son comes back in his repentance and is reconciled and they want to have a party, we see that the heart of the older brother is not in the right place. Uh, he is angry because uh, he's been working so hard. He says, I've been slaving for you, father. Yeah. Now, the father goes out and he says, my dear son, you didn't need to be doing that. You could have come in any time. So what we see there is, uh, uh, the picture of a, a person that doesn't really understand how the father loves or works, that he came up with the conclusion that he has to work for it and even slave for it. And he's in competition with his, his younger brother. When his younger brother gets everything that he wants, in, as far as love, after sinning, he, he just can't comprehend it. He's been working for love. So you have one that's looking for love in the wrong place. And then you have another person uh, with an emptiness and distance from the father who's working for it to the point of slavery. And obviously, he's, he's put himself in a position of slavery and not sonship. Yes. And so this is a picture of the two paths you can take. Uh, if you have father emptiness, especially in your childhood and adolescence, and you have not discovered the love of the father, that's why even as Christians, we can find people that know Jesus, and maybe even filled with the Spirit, but they haven't found the Father's love to fill the core, and they can find themselves drift down the path of immorality, or they find themselves out trying to, you know, earn God's love, the Father's love, through religious works. Yes. And, and in that, it, at the time of Jesus' ministry, of course, this was seen in the sinners who were coming and receiving love for free, and then the Pharisees who were working so hard, who couldn't accept that. And so these are the two paths. And, but what happens is when you get in touch with that, 
uh, like obviously the younger son is in touch with uh, his terrible uh, emptiness. Yes. And the father goes out to the older brother and says, I love you. You don't have to be working like this. Now, what usually happens for us to get in touch with the the fact that we're working so hard is our fear overwhelms us, like what happened to me, mm-hmm. or we, we burn ourselves out. And often life pulls the carpet out from mm-hmm. underneath our mm-hmm. works. And all of a sudden we find ourselves on the on the road back where we repent for our sin or we were we repent for our being so religious. And we come back to the Father and we receive the love we're looking for. Yes. And you know what? You had a huge response at a meeting that you had after you had preached this message. What yeah. happened? Well, it was it was very fascinating. There's about 600 people there, and this was a you know group of uh, Christians who were coming for a conference on the Father's love, and uh, so I taught on the prodigal, and then I taught about how the in what was happening at the time of Jesus that the sinners couldn't get back in to finding God or because the the Pharisees were making the standard so high. Uh, and they weren't operating out of the compassion of God in their leadership. They were operating out of control. And it was because they were trying to control the environment so that they would have a sense of success themselves. And so I put that in context that if the leadership in, in the church uh, were not operating out of compassion, but they were in competition to have the biggest church, and thus they would end up controlling their people. The people would never mm. be free mm-hmm. to come home and really uh, tell, you know, expose their their sin and find forgiveness. And so I shared that. I said, and during the ministry time, I said, if you're a leader and you've been in that place of being like a Pharisee, you know, in putting too heavy control on your people so that you could you could compete and have a bigger church. And you maybe, you know, was it, maybe just know that in your heart. Uh, would you come forward? And at that point, there was a, a, a large group of uh, leaders that came forward, you know, maybe, you know, 50, 50 or so, uh, you know, pastors, leaders that came up just to repent for being in that controlling place. Yes. And then I said, now, if any of you are here that are in that place of the, you know, the younger brother or the sinner that really wants to repent and, and needs the freedom to be open, you can come forward. And 400 people came forward. Wow. And when they came forward, uh, the, the leaders just began to weep because they said, oh, these our flock hasn't felt the freedom to come and receive, you know, re- receive this love. And then the others, of course, that were you know, broken and they were repenting and they were receiving forgiveness and the Father's love they were always looking for. All of a sudden, the Spirit fell. And it was so beautiful to see these leaders. I said, now go show them compassion. Mm. And they went and began to pray among all those, all those people that had come forward, just, you know, blessing what the father was doing in their life. Yes. Yes. Such a beautiful thing of seeing the dynamics of the prodigal story worked out as as both the 
the older brothers and the younger sons yes. came together uh, to the father. Yes, yes. And, that, and uh, that, is, that is part of what uh, is happening in the church today. You know, the, the leadership is starting to, uh, you know, be filled with the love so the prodigals can come home. I remember soon after I began to teach, 1989, there was a prophetic voice. His name was Paul Cain. And he made this prophecy in 1989, if I can remember the quote properly. He said, the church is about to experience a revelation of the fatherhood of God. Millions of prodigals will return home when they see the father's love in the church again. Mm. And, that, and that love is, you know, is spreading, uh, you know, across the face of the earth. And with that, the prodigals are, are, are coming home. Yes, and I know this is such an amazing teaching. It's such an amazing revelation. But I think sometimes our faith is so ignited we, when we can actually see results from some of the things that we hear. And you have such results that, to me, are just astounding. Um, I'd love to talk about a few of these testimonies. Um, tell me about the one where the man that had the cluster headaches that were just so, so severe— well, there was this uh, man, his uh, name Bob, and uh, I forget how old he is, probably in his 40s. And uh, uh, he started coming uh, to our, our uh, early vineyard church, and he came because he wanted to experience healing. And he, because he, he had severe cluster headaches, which are the worst kind of headaches that you can get. And uh, when he came forward for uh, ministry, he saw that there were included in the ministry team were some women. And, uh, and, and, and some of the people who were getting prayed for were very emotional. And he was, he was upset about that. He said, this is, uh, this is just totally out of order. Uh. And so he made an appointment with me. He came and he said, uh, I came for healing. Uh, nothing happened, uh, and I saw that, you know, these things that I considered out of line, uh, you know, happening during the ministry time. So he was very upset. And then he said, you know, uh, I don't know why I have these terrible headaches, because I've been doing everything that I can do that God asked me to do. He, so, you know, he was uh, so faithful in his giving and uh service and ministry for so many years and he and he says and i don't understand why god won't heal me and uh so i remember asking him i said well you bob you've you've been talking about how much you've been doing for god but what has god been doing in your life recently and he sort of swore at me he said blank if i know wow and i, and I didn't know so i said well let's just pray so we were just i, I just said you know, Holy Spirit come, and we just in uh, we just were silent, and then all of a sudden he he says, I, "I I have a vision," and he talked about he just had this vision came, and he was reminded of when he was a young boy, and he was in uh, he was in his dad's car. His dad wanted him because he had a little bit of deficiency with his eyes, and he said he was trying to get his son to read a sign. And 
so he was trying to get Bob, Bob, his little Bob, can you read that sign over there? And Bob tried so hard and he couldn't do it. And his, he began to cry and his dad began to get upset with him. He said, well, if you can't read that sign, you're never gonna learn anything. So he had this wound in him. But when the spirit came on him, uh, he started describing this. I said, Bob, uh, that's why you've been working so hard. Can you just forgive your dad? And he, and he prayed a prayer to forgive his dad. And the spirit fell on him and he received the father's love. And instantly from that point on, the cluster headaches were gone. And he'd had them for, for so long and they never came back. Yes. Ooh. He had such a deep experience with the father's love that he traveled with me for years. And now he teaches on it all by himself. But he's ne those, those cluster headaches that he had for so many years were gone once he was able to have that core pain with his father touched by the father's love. Wow. And I think some people just need to know and to understand that because you taught him and you explained to him that the lens with which he was looking at God was being distorted because of that experience with his earthly father. So, wow. Wow. That is so powerful. What about the girl that came up that was so badly deformed? Well, that happened in England once again. Uh, when we were with John Wimber, and he had invited people to come forward for healing. I was part of the healing team. I had just had my experience of the Father's love. I, hadn't, I haven't really done much teaching on it. Uh, and so this uh, woman came forward, and she was, uh, you could tell she was coming up because John has had a word for skeletal healing, skeletal deformities. And her one sh shoulder was about two, maybe three inches higher than the other one. And the same thing, there's a discrepancy in the length of her legs. And so she came forward for prayer. We began to pray over her. And the spirit was on her, but nothing was really happening. And then I got a word of knowledge that I said, rejection. I just got that word. So I said, I break the power of rejection in the name of Jesus. And when I did that, she screamed and she fell back uh, and, and was just lying on the floor. And I realized uh, that this, this rejection had to be rooted somewhere. And so I asked her about, have you ever experienced deep rejection in your life? And, and she, all of a sudden she remembered that when she was five years old, she overheard her parents talking because she had had a sister who was stillborn. And so when she was born, she had had these deformities. And she heard her parents discussing uh, what had happened. At that point, they were distressed because of, you know, she wasn't getting any better. And there's a lot of financial hardship, you know, bringing up the one with the this skeletal deformity. Right. And she was a twin, right? It was the yes. it was the other twin that, that had not lived at birth. That's right. You're right. And the and the parents had said that, you know, when he she overheard this conversation that essentially they said we just don't understand why this one lived with the deformity and the other one was stillborn, but healthy didn't live. Wow. And, and, and that went deep within her. 
And at that point, she felt this deep rejection. So when she told us that story, I said, would you just simply, she was in pain as she remembered that. I said, can you just forgive your father and mother for saying those words? And she did. And we just, we broke the power of those words. And we just said, now we just, we place you in the presence of your father in heaven that he might heal these emotions and bring healing to you. And the spirit moved upon her and she was weeping. And as we were praying and the spirit was moving, you could hear the skeleton being reshaped, snapping mm. and, and moving. And, uh, and we were holding one, someone was holding one of her legs and her legs started growing out. And it was just incredible power and love. And then we helped her stand up and everything was normal. Oh, my. I mean, her shoulders were level. Her legs were the same length. She, she no longer had that deformity in her pelvic area. Everything was normal. And she was filled with love. My goodness. Is, what is it about understanding that, that love that actually promotes the healing power of God? Well, I think two things. One is like we saw, see in this event, uh, that the power of love is catalytic to things in the kingdom. Mm. It's a catalyst. And when that, when that love breaks in, there's a power encounter. The power of love will, will confront the, the power of the kingdom of darkness, will con confront the father of lies. The father wants to establish his love. And so there's power in that love, catalytic to healing. And that's what happened with her. When there was a power encounter over that rejection, uh, and the love was coming upon her. And when she cooperated with that, by forgiving, that power was a power encounter within her to, to drive out that, the dark stronghold of rejection. And with that, you know, she began, to, the physical body got to respond to the healing. Yes. So that, that love is so catalytic to deliverance uh, and to, to inner, you know, emotional healing, uh, relational healing. There's a catalyst in it. Yes. Uh, yes. And the second thing is that the, the awareness that God loves you, all of a sudden, you know that when something happens to you, he didn't make that happen. Wow. That he yeah. loves you. And, and he wants to bring healing to you. The healing is the children's bread. That's yes. what you said. And, that, and you have this assurance that no matter what I'm going through, I, can, I know that my father is for me. And he wants to give me the children's bread. And, and gives you that reassurance. I remember, and I don't know that you knew this, but... Uh, in 1999, I was diagnosed with leukemia, and it was life-threatening. And when I got that diagnosis that I had cancer after my mother passed away from cancer in early age, it was frightening. And I remember kneeling down and praying uh, to you know, the Father, Oh, Father, I'm, I'm going into this, and, and I'm so afraid. And, and then all of a sudden, I had a visitation. You know, like in the Garden of Gethsemane. And that day I had read that in my devotion. 
And all of a sudden the spirit came upon me and I could tell, and it, Abba, Father came upon me and, and, and that fear of going through cancer, almost like Jesus having to face the fear of going to the cross. Yes, yes. Was, was melted by the Father's love. And, I, and from when I got up that day, knowing that I would have to start, you know, chemotherapy uh, in the next week and face this thing, I have to say that from that point on, going through that, I never had a fear. Wow. Never, never had a fear of, of, of dying from this. And, and that love carried me through that for a year. And then on, on the other side, uh, I, had, I was well healed. Mm. Cancer was gone. Amen. That, that when we have that assurance of love, it helps us face these things. And that itself gives us more faith. Sure, sure. Well, we only have a few minutes left, but I did want to hit one more testimony before we pray. And I have to let everybody go. Tell me about the lady that had the blind eye. Well, this is a good example. Once again, I was at a conference in, this, in England, and uh, you know we were having uh, a ministry time, and uh, I, was, I was talking about this verse uh, in uh, Luke 12, 32, in, where Jesus is, is talking and saying, you know, do not be afraid, little flock, for the, the Father is pleased to give you the kingdom. You know, so it was like that word, as I spoke it out of the people, says, don't, don't be afraid. The, the Father is pleased. The Father loves you. He loves to give you the kingdom. And there was this woman, uh, an elderly woman that came forward, and, uh, and she says to me, if the Father loves me and he's pleased to give me the kingdom, can he help me? And I said, how can he help you? And then she, she looked up, and she was looking down, and she looked up, and I could see that her, her one eye was totally white and milky. She was blind in one eye. She said, I'm asking him to heal my blindness. And I said, well, let me pray. And I just lifted my hand. I didn't even, even get to touching her eye. I just, you know, I started to pray. But even before I got a couple words out of my mouth, the spirit fell on her she falls down, she gets up, and she looks at me. This is almost instantaneous. And there's the the eye is perfectly clear, perfectly normal. And I saw, and she's just weeping, and, and I'm realizing that all it, she, what got her to come and receive was, was for the first time believing that the Father loved her and was pleased to heal her eye. Yes. And... and uh, so that's that, that's that dynamic. And that's why I feel the Father's love is not only catalytic but it, it, and comforting, but it, it, uh, it gives us that ability uh, to step into uh, receiving things more. Yes, yes, I understand that. Ed, you know, one of our favorite subjects around here is the glory of Almighty God. And I know as we approach these seasons and these times where we feel like we are getting closer and closer to the time that, that the Lord will be returning, how, how do you feel it is affected by this revelation of the Father's love? Well, when I think of the glory of God, uh, we're talking about the fullness of the Godhead. And 
when we when we talk about the glory, we're talking about the manifest presence. And so I think the manifest presence of the glory of God is the the fullness of the glory of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And so the glory fully manifest of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and the great love between them requires that the Father is, is revealed so that the fullness of the glory can be manifest. And uh, in because we're told that the Father, this is Sid had mentioned this, that the Father has his own glory. Uh, Ephesians 1, 17, he's called the glorious Father. Mm, yes. And, and his glory is fully manifest, like in Ephesians chapter 3 in, in Paul's prayer, through love. Uh, the, the, the Father's love, uh, which is... Uh, found through faith in Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. We, that's what we're rooted and grounded in, is the Father's love. And with that is the, the fullness of the all-surpassing love of God. So see, the Father's love and glory is part of what has to be manifest for the fullness of the glory of God to sweep across the face of the earth. Yes, yes. And, and one of the things that we see that, you know, is is there's is probably correct is that in the in the first and second great awakenings, it was primarily the glory of Jesus that was manifest. And then we have, you know, what happens through the Pentecostal renewal that comes out of Azusa Street yes. is that we have the glorious presence that comes through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And that's been sweeping across the earth. And now it appears that we have this revelation of the Father. And so the three of those things that that the revelation of Jesus still central in the gospel, the the, the revelation of the power of the Holy Spirit coming central in the bringing it to the kingdom, but now to bring the whole thing into fulfillment is to get the manifest presence of the fullness of the love of God that comes with the Father. Yes, and then. And then with it, all of a sudden, we're, we're caught up in this great love affair between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and, and that love that created all things is what will bring the new creation and the kingdom of God into reality. And what's amazing is that we can be part of it. Yes. We can live in these days where we can be, in, we can be a part, we can experience in our own lives and extend through our lives this incredible love uh, that is at the core catalyst to bringing the kingdom of God on earth. Yes, yes. Well, we are going to have to say goodbye to everybody. But before we do that, Ed, would you please pray for those that are listening? I will. Our glorious, gracious, and good Father in heaven, we come before you in the name of your son, Jesus, with the assurance of how much you love us. And we ask now that your kingdom would come upon each person that hears this broadcast. I pray that you'd open the heavens like you did above your son and you did on the day of Pentecost. I ask that you'd pour out upon each person the spirit of your love. I pray that your love would go to the deep core of their beings, 
I proclaim the power of your love in the name of Jesus to break the power at the core of anyone's life of fear or rejection or guilt or shame. I pray for everyone who's never heard the voice of the Father, never heard from their father, you are my son, I love you. You are my daughter, I love you. I just pray that even as you spoke those words to me, Father, you would speak them to the core of each person who's listening. And I pray that you would break in uh, to their lives, that they would be rooted and grounded in this love to the, to the yes. core of their being. Yes. And I pray that that love would now break out from within them. Would, would would spread out to to bring healing to their bodies, healing to their minds, healing to their relationships. I I pray that you would bring new awareness of the Father. I pray that you'd bring new awareness, Father, of your love to each person. Yes. I just want to bless every person that's listening with the love that I've received. I bless you. As a, as a spiritual father, I bless you. And I ask that you would receive this love this day. I pray that you'd begin a new journey yes. into the Father's house. Yes, yes. <laughs> that you would know the Father's embrace. And that you would bring him glory. You would bring him glory and bear much fruit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, yes. Ed, my goodness, thank you so, so much for this word today. And I want to remind everybody one more time before we leave that Ed has prepared an amazing, powerful resource package for you. It's his book, The Father Loves You. Also, he's prepared a brand new and exclusive, exclusive, you know, that means you can't get it anywhere else. It's just for you. Four CD audio teaching series called Your Way to the Father. It includes number one, Jesus, Your Way to the Father. CD number two, The Spirit of Adoption. CD number three, No Longer Prodigals. And CD number four, ultimate love. Now here's Sid Roth to tell you how you can get this powerful resource package today. Sid? Deep within every human being, God has placed a hunger to know a father's love. In his book, The Father Loves You, Ed Piarik tells of his adventure to experience the father's love. Now, Ed wants to mentor you on how to enter into the presence of the Father so that you too can truly experience the fullness of His majestic love. When the love of the Father is revealed and released, miracles manifest, blockages dissolve, emotional, mental, physical, even creative miracles the Father loves you. Call now to get Ed Piarik's book, The Father Loves You, and his brand new and exclusive four CD audio teaching series, Your Way to the Father, for an investment of only 39 U.S. dollars. To order, call 1-800-447-2697. Once again, that's one 800 447-2697. Or go to our website at sidroth.org, 
S-I-D-R-O-T-H dot O-R-G. Be sure to ask for offer number 9808. Once again, that's offer number 9808.